You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, canine crusader for animals and the environment. Max and I thank you for joining us, and we dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals. Max A. Pooch believes today's guest, Dr. John Pilly, is an awesome animal advocate because he has proven what dog owners have known all along. Dogs are far smarter than the scientific community has given them credit. By proving this, Dr. Pilly has made the argument stronger than ever for the humane treatment of our canine companions. We will learn about the amazing work Dr. Pilly has done with Chaser, the incredible dog who knows more than a thousand words, when we return from our break. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson, music to your ears. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest is Dr. John Pilley, who is Professor Emeritus at Spartanburg, South Carolina's Wolford College. He's also human companion to Chaser and author of Chaser, Unlocking the Genius of the Dog Who Knows a Thousand Words. Hi, Dr. Pilley. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Keith. Glad to be with you. Well, I've been looking forward to this. I read your book, Chaser, Unlocking the Genius of the Dog Who Knows a Thousand Words, and really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great read containing a good mix of how you trained Chaser, tested her to meet the scrutiny of the scientific community, and is a demonstration of the bond between human and his dog. Could you tell us, our audience, a little bit about your work and why you believe Chaser's achievements and your research demonstrate some really, really astounding facts about dogs? Well, our goal has been to teach a dog elements of grammar. The goal of there is to enhance the communication between humans and dogs. So we started with our porticale as soon as we brought her home at the age of eight weeks. And right away then, we began to teach her words. But before we could teach her words, we had to teach her some few behaviors, such as sit, stand, come, find, fetch. And once she learned those verbs, then we were able to take a ball or an object like a ball and throw it. And then, because she chased it and was emitting her instinct, it was play. And so our procedure was to give the object's value with play. So the ball took on play. And after the ball took on play, 
then words began to take on value. And then she began to attend. You know, it's interesting because no matter what we do, I think we know that with dogs, we need to uh, acquaint them with some basic foundation commands. And I know with uh, my dog, Max A. Pooch, that was our first step. He's a black lab retriever. And before we did anything else, it was to get those basic commands. And then you said something else and to make it fun. And to any dog owner or somebody who's thinking about getting a dog, I think that's very important for them to understand that it's got to be fun for the dog. Well, play is the motivator. It's also the reinforcer. So play is key. It's absolutely essential. If you want the behaviors, if you want the learning to take place, it must be rewarded. It must be fun. And again, with Max, uh, a lot of times people ask me, well, how long did it take you to teach him to do this as certain activity? And I say, I don't know, because I just thought, well, it'd be fun to learn how to do it. And we're going for a walk and I'll teach him to do this. And when it gets done, it gets done and we'll move on to the next thing. And it uh, kept it fun for me because I happen to sometimes be a little impatient and it more importantly makes it fun for Max. That sounds good. You're both a scientific researcher and a dog lover. Did you find it difficult to reconcile your personal feelings about dogs? Well, it's particularly Chaser because uh, the pictures of her, she is just an incredibly beautiful animal. But did you find it difficult to reconcile your personal feelings about dogs while at the same time remaining objective in your research? No, there was no conflict at all. Of course, Chaser was primarily a member of our family. But by making the teaching fun, using her instincts, the opportunities for her to emit those behaviors that she was born with, it blended in quite easily. Well, you know, that's interesting because uh, I know a lot of times that dog owners are accused of reading things into their activities of their dogs that science doesn't believe is there. But reading your book, I see how you really followed the protocol as far as doing some research and uh, keeping the uh, subjectivity out of it. Well, that was very important because if you're going to teach words and claim that the dog has learned the names of those words, you need to control for visual cues. And so in our experiments, that was at the top of our mind, recognizing that it was necessary to control those visual cues. Well, and so you did blind and double-blind tests and all the kinds of things that critics would expect you to do in order to prove your uh, thesis. That's exactly what happened. I was not able to observe Chaser, and Chaser was not able to observe me when we gave her those tests in all the different situations. You know, Max is a black lab, and black labs have a uh, reputation sometimes for being inconsistent in what they do. And I wondered, might that inconsistency be to the fact that maybe their sense of smell is is high and occasionally they catch a whiff of something that uh, just blocks out whatever else they're doing? And has there been any attempt to measure the scenting abilities of Border Collies compared to other, other breeds such as hounds or retrievers or pointers? Well, scent is something that is common for all dogs. It's stronger in others. And Chaser also has this strong sense enjoyable for her to find things on the basis of scent. So it was necessary to emphasize the auditory cue. Now, the auditory cue took on value over and above the scent with the play situation. So as long as she was chasing an object and finding an object, and the ball is rolling to her and she's being praised, 
that overpowered the scent cue. That's interesting because I've learned something with Max, and that's how they train bomb-sniffing dogs. Uh, Max doesn't sniff out bombs, but he can find, amazingly, uh, plastic bottles, which I always thought probably were inert and didn't have a scent to them. He can find them from quite a distance when they're hidden in brush and things, much like if he were looking for a fallen bird that had been shot while hunting. It really made me realize that there's a lot more going there than just the site when he went looking for bottles. Oh, and, of course, it, uh, and, of course, to well, your point, it's a lot of fun for him. There was one situation where we it was fun to watch, and you could see the scent use that Chaser had. We would hide an object, hiding the object in such a way that there was no scent trail. And then we would ask Chaser to come out, and we played the hot and cold game. She learned the words yes and no. Yes, meaning that what she was doing was correct, and no meant, okay, you're not doing what we want. And so we use yes and no like children in a hot and cold game. So as soon as Chaser would come out of the room, she would rush in out of the room, another room, a bedroom. She would come into the living room using that sit, <laughs> no. Well, we would give her the yes, no, but she moved so quickly that it was hard to tell at times, but... Very soon in our play, she would lock in on the on the yes-no. So it was instantly when I said yes, she would continue in that direction. And when I said no, instantly again, she reverses direction. Wow, that's great. Now, Border Collies have the reputation of being, as a breed, the most intelligent or one of the most intelligent breeds. Do you think that it might be because Border Collies probably are still doing the work they were bred for while a lot of other breeds may have been dumbed down because not much is expected of them except to make us happy? Well, what we think is that over the centuries, farmers, in working with their sheep, if the dog did not keep the eye on the sheep and did not give the ear to the farmer, then they did not breed them. And so with Border Collies, through the centuries, there has been this strong tendency to breed the best with the best. And so our hypothesis is that that long history of the breeding has built in some kind of a mechanism where the dog gives more attention to the words of the farmer. Well, that's interesting because, you know, if you take a breed like, well, like Labrador Retrievers, you know, it's almost where their strains still have the hunting and a lot of them that, you know, because there's such a big population, they're just bred for pets and not necessarily for the gene that uh, makes them good retrievers that they don't even retrieve anymore. <laughs> it may be the old saying, this dog don't hunt. And uh, it would seem that it might be that that is being lost from some breeds where breeds like Border Collies, which are still being used in the, a lot of them for the work they do, that that uh, ability is kept in them. Does that make sense to you? It, it does. Interbreeding is going to mask, I'll put it that way, the inborn traits, the instincts of breeds. Yeah, because I, I have a lot of dog-walking friends who have labs, and they have hardly any inclination to do what, you know, they were bred for. I, they're fun dogs, and they will chase a ball. But Max, on the other hand, who is a rescue dog, but in a lab, he still has that in, innate instinct. I mean, in fact, that's why I taught him to pick up bottles, because there wasn't anything to retrieve as far as pheasants or um, partridge or anything or ducks in, here in the suburbs, and I wanted him to uh, do what he was wired for and had a strong instinct to. 
We need to take a break right now, but when I return, I will ask Dr. Pilly how he feels about the cognitive ability of dogs. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are here for you. We're trying to make life with your pets even better. I know that's hard to believe. It can't even be better than it is, and hopefully it's fantastic already. The goal here is to answer your questions, help you out with your problems, anything you really wanted to know, but maybe you were afraid to ask your veterinarian, or maybe it was just too expensive to go to your veterinarian just to ask a few simple things. So that's what you got me for here at uh, Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Call in. We'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and with us today is Dr. John Pilly, the human companion to Chaser, the border collie who knows more than a thousand words and much more, I might add. Dr. Pilly, from what you've said, how you've talked about Chaser and you described her in your book, she sounds like she's a lot of fun. And I can relate to that. And I'm sure every human companion to a dog can relate to that because dogs are great fun. And while Max can't do nearly the number of things Chaser can do, he understands amazing number of words and commands and directions. And like most dog owners or dog companions, I truly believe he has the cognitive capability to respond to new challenges based on past but different experiences. Am I just being a dog owner and anthropomorphizing Max's actions? Or do you believe dogs are that intelligent? Yes, yes. Dogs are very intelligent and our research demonstrates that. Several of our experiments precisely identified the use of 
mental inferences. And when we talk about mental inferences, we're talking about things that are learned that represent concepts. One example is the learning by exclusion. Children, when given a challenge where there are two objects out there and one might be red and the other one might be chromium, which the infant or child doesn't know the meaning of at all. So when the teacher says, find chromium, the child does not know that word, but they go over and inside of their heads, probably they think, well, if she wanted the red one, I would give her the red one. But she didn't ask for the red one, so it must be this one over here, this chromium, which is really a green color. When we tested Chaser with a very similar experiment, much more complex, lo and behold, Chaser was successful in making that mental inference of bringing me the correct novel object that she had never seen and never heard the name of. I've seen similar things in Max where he not only knows the gate in our yard, but he knows gate when I refer him to a gate, you know, a fence gate somewhere else. And some of my neighbors are amazed. They'll say, how does he know that? Because we sort of accidentally discovered that is he learned to run to the gate when the ball I was throwing went on the other side. And and I made the inference, I guess, uh, you know, that he was making that connection ball on other side of fence run to run to a gate and somebody will open it for me does that am i reading too much into that action not at all not at all what we have found is that the more challenges we give the chaser the more likely she is to make a mental inference. i'll give you a very simple example there's a big big ball kind of a bloom type that at walford where children do their stretching exercises well to give Chaser a challenge, to have to make an inference, I say to Chaser, to pop-pop take big ball. Now, she knows the name of the big ball. So what do you think she did at first? Well, she ran and pushed the ball away. So she discovers, you know, we can't play with the big ball. So she discovers over successive trials, well, that's not going to solve the problem. So now she goes out and goes on the other side of the ball. So she's made a mental inference. What he wants me to do is to to solve the problem, I have to learn how to nose the ball. And that's what happened. We were talking about sense of smell before and sight. Now, do you think chaser and border collies can differentiate individual sheep when they're herding them or bringing them in to the uh, shepherd? Well, that's a story that farmers have told me, and, and I don't have any trouble at all believing that. Sure, each sheep, like each human, has different characteristics. And these border collies, with training and with testing and given the opportunity, can make that choice very easily, I'm thinking. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And another question, and that has to do about the strength of the bond that develops between a dog and its human companion. Do you think this is really a two-way street and that the dog also feels a strong bond or a loyalty? Or are they just meat-eating machines that stick with us because we feed them? And do you have any research or anecdotal experience that backs up how you feel? I believe, and this is common among uh, animal psychologists, is that dogs for thousands of years have co-evolved with humans such that common mental processes have developed and emotional qualities. So I don't have any trouble at all in terms of understanding and believing in terms of this special bond that humans and dogs have far and beyond any other creature. 
It would seem to uh, have to be true, even though it hasn't maybe been scientifically proved because of that co-evolution and interdependence of the uh, two species. I think it's probably unique in all the animal world. Am I right about that? I think so. And, uh, you know, I ask each of my guests this question. With all the human misery in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, and resources researching, and I know loving and advocating for animals such as dogs? Well, as humans, with our cultures, as we evolve more and more and more and become more mental, we're losing part of our inner nature. Dogs, (laughs) we have with us creatures that go, go back you know, way, 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 way back in time. And so the dog is a reminder for us, I believe, in terms of how to live a life. There's a saying, I forget the fellow's name, where he says, there are some simple truths and dogs know them all. I think that's John Dewarmore. (laughs) That's great because I certainly know that going out with Max, my life gets straightened out a lot of times, just getting down to the fundamentals of enjoying some time outdoors and watching him do his thing. While I think about it, where can our audience go to learn more about Chaser the Dog Who Knows a Thousand Words, or where can they purchase the book? Well, on the web, if someone goes www.chasertheborticale.com, a lot of information and videos are there that give some close thoughts in terms of how to teach. Uh, in addition to that, we have a book that's come out, Chaser the Bordicale, in which we share the story from the very beginning when she came into our home at eight weeks. So we're finding that a lot of people find that book very profitable. I do want to ask you this, is is that, you know, sometimes a movie will come out or something, uh, 101 Dalmatians, for instance, or Lady and the Tramp. After those movies, uh, Dalmatians became just incredibly popular as pets, and then Cocker Spaniels after Lady and the Tramp. And that could be possible that a lot of people who hear about Chaser think, boy, I need a Border Collie or I want one, and they go out and get one. Would you have any advice to people in my audience before they actually did something like that? Well, I think the owner needs to, or the one that's interested in finding a pup or a dog, they need to think a little bit about the border collie. The border collie has got this tremendous amount of energy, and there's a demanding that the owner will experience. So one needs a lot of time and willingness to play with the dog and work with the dog, especially a border collie. Yeah, and it's not only uh, physical energy, it's mental energy, is it? You know, that needs, otherwise it just get bored, right? Right. There needs to be a creativity in the owner in terms of how to play different games. Chaser has about 12 games that we have constantly that we can shift back and forth, back and forth, such that the interest is still there. I know it's interesting. My sister lives in upstate New York. She has three dogs. One of them is a border collie. They're all rescues. And they live on a farm, and about an acre of it is a meadow, which has an invisible fence. And every morning, the routine is just so amazing to watch, is that her border collie and the other two dogs will go out, but they all follow her because she, like, leads them to where the chipmunks probably are or where the squirrels are or where the deer may have jumped across the fence or whatever. And it's like she's leading the tribe and doing what their little group, or in this case, their pack, uh, should be doing, but she's really taking charge. Oh, that's awesome. That's marvelous. Uh, That's what the dog needs. 
And uh, yeah, and it's good for humans to watch that too because there's no no doubting about the intelligence that is being processed. As she'll make decisions which way to go or what to do, and and turn them you know turn them on. So again, if I want to learn more about you and Chaser, can you give me that website again? Chaser's website is www.chasertheboldicale.com. On this website, you'll find. Much information, photos, videos that will increase your knowledge in terms of how we work with Chaser. I might add that, you know, in the winter months where it's not really so easy to get out, and if uh, anyone's looking for a, a good read, any animal advocate and dog lover, I think this is probably one of the best I've come across. So take a look at uh, the website, and then it'd be a good deal to uh, either purchase the book or go to your library. But I think it's uh, one of the best dog books that's come along in a long while. And Dr. Pilly, you've been an awesome guest. And Max A. Pooch and I, thank you for being with us today. We've run out of time and uh, time really goes fast when we have somebody who really, really uh, understands animals and and shares his knowledge and experience with us. Thank you so much. And thank you for telling the story of, of Chaser, a dog, similar to all other dogs. We want to thank you, our listeners, for spending your valuable time with us. You're all fantastic, and we hope you tell your friends about awesome animal advocates. And a special thanks to Mark Winter, co-founder and executive producer of Pet Life Radio, and our sponsors for making this episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates possible. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, saying thank you to all those animal advocates who work so hard on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. Max A. Pooch gives them five big tail-wagging woofs. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.